Hey, good morning. Hey, a couple things before we jump in today. Just, just, um, Ashley's still in the house, I think. Or she grabbed her. Thank you, Ashley, Brandon, Mitch, for leading worship this morning. Just a couple things that just, yeah. Oh, we're just saying thank you for leading worship today. Awesome. Hey, just a couple of things, uh, just as we were worshiping, I just, the Lord just was really speaking to me. Um, you know, maybe some of us feel really alone. It's right after the holidays. It's, this is the month where, if you talk to doctors and stuff, where depression and anxiety, like, spike. Because we've been all running on adrenaline since November, right? And um, just that word that he makes orphans his sons and daughters. Whether you have parents or not, sometimes we feel like we're all alone and we're isolated. And Jesus makes us his sons and his daughters. So if you're feeling alone and isolated, I just want to encourage you that you're not alone. Um, and that's why we actually have some greeting time. The other, I got really emotional when last year was reading through that list of the saints. I don't know, anybody else? I got kind of emotional, but at the same time, I was kind of cringing because I was like, man, I won't want my name to be on that list <laughs> because it wouldn't just be like one thing. It would be Kevin and then then the list, right? And so I was just like, ugh. But the reason why I believe that God gave us those examples of Abraham who, man, God started a nation through that man. And yet, did he really fully trust God all the time? He lied about being married because he was afraid. Not just once, but twice. And put his wife in jeopardy uh, because of that. And just, you can just go through that list and many more. And the reason why I believe that that's in there is because of God's grace. That he doesn't call us to be perfect. If you're trying to be perfect, you need to stop because it's not going to happen. That's why Jesus came. If we could become perfect on our own, Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross for us. And so we just need to receive his grace. His grace is freely given to us if we reach out and receive it from him. So maybe you're struggling with, maybe you put yourself on that list. Yeah, like, I belong on that list. Yeah, we all have a list. But that list can be wiped clean through Jesus. So good. I love that. Well, we are in John chapter 20 this morning. We're wrapping up. Well, not wrapping up, but we're in John chapter 20. Didn't mean to give you false hope um, there. <laughs> Foursquare is actually fasting uh, for, for 21 days. We started last, um, last Monday. So if you're following along, I think there's a slide up there um, that you can, it's not too late. We're on day seven today, uh, foursquareprayer.org. You can go on and, and register and they'll send you a daily devotional, just scripture verses with a couple thoughts on how to pray. And so um, I really encourage you to do that. You know, fasting is simply telling God that my relationship with you is important. You know, God, you're more important to me than whatever you're fasting from, whether it's food, um, it could, whatever it might be. I read a quote this week on fasting. And it says, fasting is an intentional setting aside of self to focus on God, to focus on his presence and to focus on his plans for us. And so, it's not too late to do that. Just jump in. It's been really, uh, been really fruitful. 
um, and a little convicting at the same time, which is good. You know, when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, you know what that is? When, when you just feel like, like ah, I, I'm not really lined up where I should be lined up. And sometimes we're afraid of that. But I just want you to know that it's okay to be convicted. Because that means he loves us. He loves us enough to care for us, to say, hey, this isn't working. I can see it's not working for you either. So I want you to come over here and walk this way. That's what conviction does. So 21 days of fasting. We're on day seven. You have plenty of time to catch up. Okay? They're really quick devos. Well, it takes you a few minutes to read through it. And then just to think through it and, uh, and ask, the, ask God just to speak through those scripture verses that you read and you focus on. Good? Well, we're going to do some imagining this morning. You know, whenever I open up the Word of God, I always like to picture myself there. Not just read it as black and white text, but actually, like, what would it be like to be there? What would it be like to witness what they're witnessing? So I want you to imagine this morning, imagine the disciples and what they experienced for the three years they were with Jesus. We have a whole list of things. And John will say later, when we wrap up the book of John in 2025, according to Dana, I have to say that every week, right? Um, John will say later, I'm just, barely, just, I'm just barely touching the surface here. I've given you the things that Jesus said and did because there are not enough books in the world to even carry all the things. To have it, if we wrote it all down, there just wouldn't be enough room. But I made a list this morning. What would it be like to be there with Jesus? Imagine just living your life, just doing what you're doing, and then you meet Jesus. Some of us can imagine that because we've done that, right? But I imagine like, like physically meeting Jesus. And imagine him talking to you and having conversation with you and looking you right in the eyes. And how that would feel. Because Jesus, when he looked at you, he didn't look at you with condemnation or judgment. He didn't bring guilt and shame. And I'll just say that sometimes when we look at people, especially the people we don't agree with, we look at them with judgment. And we bring shame and guilt on them. And Jesus, just imagine that your life would be totally changed. And then to begin to witness when you say, yes, okay, I will follow you, Jesus, and then begin to witness the things that Jesus was doing. Water into wine. And he does it behind the scenes, but you only know that that happened because you happen to be standing there with him. Imagine doing the thing that you've grown up doing, the trade that you were trained by your mom and dad, and mainly your dad in this situation, and failing at it. And then Jesus comes along and says, why don't you try this? This happened to be when they were fishing. They fished all night long. Nothing. Some random guy says, hey, why don't you just throw your net on the other side? And you're like, come on, don't tell me what to do. I'm the professional here, Jesus. <laughs> do we ever do that? <laughs> Even as believers, we do that. Jesus, I'm good here. I'm the professional. I think I've got it. That's what we should say. Actually, we shouldn't say that. Like, God, I need your help. Even at the best things we do, we still should ask for help. They witnessed Jesus 
clearing the temple. Jesus cleared the temple twice, but he did it early on. They witnessed, some of them were followers at the time of John the Baptist, disciples of John the Baptist, because John the Baptist was preaching about the coming of Messiah. And when John saw Jesus a couple different times, he said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And some of them followed. They left John the Baptist and followed Jesus. Another time, John says, there's, there's the man that I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. I'm not even worthy to be this man's servant, John said. And how about the revival in Samaria? How would you like to witness that? I mean, we read it in black and white text, but that is an amazing story because Samarians were hated by the Jews. And yet, Jesus has a conversation with a, a woman at the well. And not even like an upright woman, a woman who was extremely broken, extremely hurting. That's why she was there at that, that time of the day. Because the rest of them go out in the morning. And it's kind of like the, the, the water cooler time. Standing by the copy machine, having conversation with people. She went out there by herself in the heat of the day. Because she felt so much shame and brokenness. And yet Jesus initiates conversation with her. And her life has changed. And she goes back and tells the story of Jesus. And the whole community comes out and gets saved. Revival. Healings, too many to count. Massive lunch meetings. You know, like 5,000. Just if you count the guys, and we know if guys are there, girls are going to be hanging out too. Well, probably the girls were there, so the guys were there. Um, and then there's kids, so they're saying like 10,000. And you're, just, you're and the crowd doesn't even really know that stuff's going on. They're just like, hey, this guy's providing me food. I'm going to go for it. I'll follow this guy for free lunch. I heard somebody say that. I'll follow him. I'll, I'll you know. You buy me a meal, I'll go out with you. Someone bought me a meal yesterday. It was awesome. Okay. Loved it. Loved hanging out. Just imagine actually witnessing Jesus pray, and then you're, you're the one handing up, and you've got the basket, and you're like, well, I know it started off with one piece of bread in here. And every time I reach in here to hand it out to somebody, there's more bread in here. Can you just imagine that? Imagine being so comfortable in what you've done your whole life. And in this case, many of them were fishermen, and they're, they're used to being on the water. But imagine that the storm is so bad that now it scares you. The situation is so bad, now it really scares you. And then to look up and you see Jesus. And not just to see Jesus standing there with you, but see Jesus walking towards you in an impossible situation because nobody walks on water but Jesus. And those who put their trust in him. Because Peter jumped out of the boat at one point. He stayed afloat for a few seconds. So he got scared, right? Just imagine that. Peter, James, and John were privileged to go on a hike with Jesus up to the top of a mountain. And they witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. They witnessed Jesus transform from his earthly just regular this body to a glowing, glorified Jesus. And then two of your 
icons that you've heard about and thought about and talked about. Moses and Elijah show up, and they're having conversation, and you're just standing there. <laughs> they weren't standing for very long, actually. But it was such a cool, cool moment. Peter was like, I like this. We should just stay here, you know. Because what was Peter doing in that moment? He was worshiping the experience. He wasn't necessarily worshiping Jesus. He was worshiping the experience. I really like this. We should stay here. And oh, what was Jesus' response? No, we're going to go back down. But remember who I am. Now, those three guys experienced that. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you the others heard about it. You know why? It's because at one point, Jesus walks up and the disciples are having this just godly meeting. When they're just, no, the disciples are arguing who's the best. Who's the best disciple? They're arguing who's the greatest among us. Who, and, and those three are like, hey, we saw Jesus like none of you have seen Jesus. And Jesus' response is, unless you're, you come like a servant, you're not going to be great. And that's why, that's why God exalted Jesus, right? Because he came as a, what? A servant. Jesus' teaching, he taught like no other. Whenever he would speak, whenever he would speak about the scriptures that they had memorized and they had known, it was like nothing they've ever heard before. It was fresh. It was like brand new. And then for the one that you've followed and worshipped and given everything up for, um, after an incredible dinner and a little bit confusing about one of the disciples getting up and leaving because Jesus is talking about betrayal, and Jesus gets up and he walks over and he grabs the mace, the jar, and he gets on his knees and he washes your feet. Just imagine being in those moments with him. All your hope, all your trust, you have given your life to Jesus. And then in less than 20 hours, he is crucified and gone. The loss. The grief, the guilt, we don't really talk about that very much. But the guilt, why would they feel guilty? Why would the disciples feel guilty? The reason why is because they all deserted Jesus. There was a little skirmish at first because Peter tried to pull out a sword and he's not very good with it. And cut off an ear and Jesus heals it and then still goes and is arrested and goes and... In Mark's account of that arrest, it says all of the disciples deserted them. Now, I don't know. Mark's account of that story is Peter's account of the story. And what, I, and what Dana talked about months ago was it's interesting how God uses even in the, you know, the Bible says that is God breathed. Even in the breath of God, that God still used their individual personalities as they wrote. And so it's interesting Peter's perspective because the rest of the gospels just basically say Peter is the one that denied Jesus three times, right? They don't bring up the fact that they all took off running, but they all did. And so Peter's like, I'm not the only one that ran and left Jesus. We all did. So imagine the guilt, 
and the shame of when he needed me the most. Imagine that's the last time you saw him. Because not all of them went and followed. Some of them just gave up and left. And then the women show up early on a Sunday morning and say, there's this little now glimmer of hope. We've seen him. And it sparks a couple of them. John and Peter get up and take off, and they go check it out, and they come back. Some, many of them give it up. A couple of them took off, and they just said, we're going home. We're going to Emmaus. They walk back. Then they show up and say, we've seen him. I've been getting up early lately. You ever been out on a clear day, and it is just as dark as it could be? as dark as it could be. But you're looking off into the east and you see just a glimmer. Just a glimmer of light. And it's just, that's the sun. And what does it do? In that moment, it, it like brings life to you. It brings hope to you. And so what, we, what they're experiencing here is when they're hearing that Jesus is, we've seen him. People that I love and trust have seen him now there's a stirring going on, and there's a little bit of hope, it's like the sun is rising. It's been as dark as it could be, but now there's a little hope. The interesting thing about, if you look back and think about the timeline, we're pretty spoiled with the whole social media and instant information that we have right here, right? Like if I want to know something, like, hey, what was that Bible verse? Boom, it's right here. How do I make chicken tortellini, whatever? Boom, it's right there. You can find out in 10 seconds. Might not taste like the recipe says because you messed up, but at least you can find out, right? <laughs> but imagine all this is happening and there is no social media. You can't turn on King 5 News, right? You are just, it's taken hours for this information to come. It's, it's over a two-hour journey just to get back from Emmaus, right? And so, and then you're hearing, so you're hearing this, these bit pieces of news, and it's taking hours. It's not instant like we have now today. So what do you do? What do you do? You're hearing glimmers of hope. You're hearing um, that he, people have seen him. So you have two options. Well, you have multiple. I'm going to give you two options this morning. You can be super excited and you go like, okay, if, if they're seeing him, I'm going to go out and look for Jesus. I'm going to go out and look for him. Or you could lock yourself in a room because you're afraid. Well, I wonder which one the disciples chose to do. We're going to find out. Open up your Bible some, to John chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 19 this morning. Jesus is going to appear to his disciples, not because they're out looking for him, but we'll see what they chose to do. If you need a Bible, again, we have Bibles. Annie's out here handing out Bibles. 933 is the page number in those black Bibles. I love that. I'm going to give you a second to turn to it. All right, verse 19, John chapter 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, which is Sunday... When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, so that's where they were, they did not choose to go look for Jesus. 
they decided we're afraid and we're going to lock ourselves in this, up this room. And with the doors locked and the room sealed, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Okay, so the disciples chose to run in fear and to lock themselves up. No judgment there. I think many of us would have probably done the same thing. Like, I don't know what to do, but let's just be together in this situation. And let's just hang on together. And Jesus shows up. It doesn't say that Jesus knocked on the door and they opened the door. It just says Jesus appeared there with them. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> and scary. Let's be real. That kind of freaks some of us out. How many of you would like, man, that would like freak me out a little bit. Come on. Let's be a little interactive. Only Ashley? Okay. Karen, maybe? A little freaked out. Oma, you're fine? No, no problem? I got to call out Oma once in a while. Anyways. Just imagine that. And here's the thing for me. Like, when I read this passage... I know what I would have said when I showed up to my friends who abandoned me, who walked away from me, and who left me to go through what Jesus went through on his own. I've been in situations in my life, some of the hardest places in my life that I've ever had to go through, and I've had some friends like walk away. And I'm not blaming them because sometimes in those really brutal situations, you just don't know what to do, right? So sometimes you just, it paralyzes you and you just don't do anything. I'm not saying all my friends. I'm just saying some in the past. But it's interesting Jesus didn't come and bring condemnation and say, where were you guys when I needed you the most? Where were you? But what does Jesus say? Peace. Because Jesus knows that they are, they've experienced loss, that they're going through grief right now. Jesus knows that they feel guilt and shame. And what, is, what does he say, and what does he say to them? As he says, peace. He brings peace to them. And then he plants this little seed of, and gives them a little glimmer of hope of what their lives are going to look like next. We don't always get that. But when it does show up, we should allow that to grow, allow that seed to grow. And so what Jesus does here is he gives, he, he gives them a little taste of three things that are going to happen next. First, he's going to send them. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He doesn't tell them where they're going to go yet. He will eventually. But right now, he's just planting. Hey, I'm just letting you know what's going on here. And I think for a few of them, because when he called Andrew and Peter, he told them, hey, you're no longer going to be fishermen. 
well, fishermen like you think. Now you're going to go out and catch men for the gospel, for the good news. Instead of going out in the lake and throwing your nets out, now you're going to walk through the cities and towns where I send you, and you're going to throw out the nets of, the good, of good news and bring all who want to follow in. He also gives them a little taste again. They're like, the Holy Spirit's coming. So be ready to receive. To receive. We know in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit shows up when they're all up in the upper room praying. It doesn't say anything like the Holy Spirit showed up here, but Jesus breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, I, think it's, I believe it's a seed of hope for them. And then there's a passage here that's a little bit, ooh, this could get a little scary here. He says, if you forgive the sins of people, they'll be forgiven. But if you do not forgive I'm just telling you right now, I don't want that power. I don't want that power to forgive. But what I believe he's saying here is he is empowering them to be sent and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to share good news with people. And the good news is you can be forgiven if you follow Jesus. But if you do not follow Jesus you will not be forgiven of your sin. In fact, you will die in your sin. That's what many scholars, and that's what I kind of take the bent on that. He's not giving us the power to say, oh, you're not forgiven. No. But it's the empowerment of, we get to tell the good news. And we have the good news to say, you can be forgiven if you follow Jesus. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. What does the Bible say? You'll be saved. Have you ever heard of the phrase uh, FOMO? You've heard of the little phrases. There's all kinds of phrases right now, right? YOLO. What's YOLO? You only live once. You know, like if you're getting ready to bungee jump, you yell YOLO as you go down because you only live once. And you, yeah, I think I would pray if that's happening because, you know. But FOMO is a real thing. It's the fear of missing out. FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. It is actually, I'll just tell you, I'm going to give you a little personal opinion here. Is that okay? <laughs> Eric says no, but well, I'm giving it to you anyways, because I have the microphone. But, well, okay. I took that as a no. So, um, FOMO is paralyzing. Because what it does is it, it, it doesn't allow us to commit. Hey, do you want to come with me to this thing? I don't know. Let me see. I mean, I just did that the other day. I don't know. It wasn't the fear of missing out. I, had, I thought I had other plans, which I did, and that's why I couldn't do what I was, I was invited to do. But sometimes we won't commit to do anything just in case something better comes along at the last minute. I won't miss out. It's the fear of missing out. And it will paralyze us. So sometimes we just have to commit. And then if something better comes along, we just have to say, I'll have to do that next time because I already committed myself here. 
Let, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you commit to something, just do it, right? I mean, there, there are exceptions to that, I'm sure. I think Thomas experienced a little FOMO here, the fear of missing out. Thomas isn't even here when Jesus shows up. We don't know why Thomas isn't there. Did Thomas have family arrangements? Maybe. But remember, some of the disciples had given up. After Jesus was arrested and taken off, some of them are just, they, they went home. So we don't know if Thomas went home and gave up, and then he heard about, you know, what happened, and then he came back. We don't know. But we're going to pick it up and find out a little bit. Verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not the disciple when Jesus came, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hand, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. Actually, you read that incredible list of the saints and, and their faults and failures. And poor Thomas. We never, I mean, I shouldn't say never. Very rarely do we ever look at Thomas or mention Thomas in the biblical form here and not think of what? Doubting Thomas. Poor guy. I mean, he could have been an incredible man. In fact, I'm sure he was. But what he's known for is this. The fact that he doubted. And the fact that he proclaimed to, to all his friends, unless I see it with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe it. But I believe that many of us would have said the same thing as Tom. We missed out. I'm not going to believe it until I experience that same thing. And it's not like an instant thing like, okay, Thomas said that, and then, boom, Jesus showed up. No, it was a whole week, seven days of hearing the disciples talk about their experience with Jesus just showing up in their midst, and, and the message he gave them, and poor Thomas is like, FOMO. You know, I missed out. And so the guilt, maybe, for him, for not being there, the shame, was like doubled because he wasn't part of that first group. And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus tells them all, peace be with you. But what does Jesus immediately do? He goes right to Thomas. Meets Thomas exactly where Thomas needs to be met. And says, I want you to see, this, it's me. I want you to see with your own eyes and, and feel with your own hands that it's me. And Thomas's response is correct. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are real. This, is, all, this whole thing is real. And Jesus' response is, 
I'm glad you think that because you're right. But blessed are those who believe in me and have not seen me. I mean, I don't think any of us looking around the room have ever seen Jesus, physically seen Jesus. Oh, now sometimes we can like look at one another and say, I see Jesus in you. That's different. I mean, to really experience the presence of Jesus on planet Earth. And Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. As followers of Jesus, that's us. Jesus calls us blessed. You know, the word blessed means favor. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have favor with God. Blessed there means happy. It doesn't mean joy. And we always talk about joy because we're always like, our circumstances, you know, consider it pure joy, James says, when we face trials of many kinds because what, because what God's doing in us, is, it's working in us, it's developing these precious things that we need to have as we walk in this life. But Jesus chooses the word happy here, that there should be happiness as we follow him, as we walk with him. There should be this, wow, I love this. It also means well off, that we're well off. You guys ever hear that phrase? Well, that family's well off meaning they have everything that they need. So as a follower of Jesus, you're well off. You have everything you need. Feel good? Feels right? Yes. It also means, or can mean, fortunate. And they're, they're fortunate. They weren't in that car when that, you know. It just means that we're at the right place at the right time with him. And so as I read through the Gospels, we read through what is happening here, and Jesus shows up and meets them where they're at. I'm just thinking for some of us this morning, so where are we at with Jesus? Man, are we earnestly out there seeking after him and trying to find him? Because the Bible says if we do that, what will happen? We will find him. If you seek me, you will find me. Knock and the door will be opened to you, he says. But maybe some of us, are just like the disciples, and we've kind of locked ourselves up. Not necessarily in a physical room, but maybe we have locked ourselves up this way. We have built walls. We have just to protect us ourselves because we've been hurt. And I just want to encourage you that Jesus can show up behind your wall. Even if you've locked him up tight, even if you're walking in fear right now, Jesus can show up right there in those places and melt those walls. Maybe some of us are dealing with loss and grief. Maybe some of us are dealing with a little guilt and shame. Maybe some of us aren't really walking with Jesus the way we know we're supposed to be walking with him. Jesus will meet you there. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Because his love for you doesn't make sense in our own minds. 
It's the song we sang this morning. And I know some, it's a controversial song, and the guy who wrote the song got blasted by the church for it. But it's a love that doesn't make sense, and the writer's trying to say it's a, it's a reckless love. It's a radical love for us. It did not make sense for Jesus to leave heaven and come down to planet Earth and die for our sins. The Bible says the angel, it's a mystery to the angels. They're like, what are you doing? But we follow you, or we worship you anyways. But the angels didn't even get it. It is a radical love for Jesus to leave heaven and come down as a baby. Not even just like show up in the clouds and command worship, but to show up vulnerable and, and be willing to be broken. Jesus was broken for us. He just didn't float around on clouds and have a perfectly white robe all the time. Jesus was broken for us. And the amazing thing is it was God's will for that to happen. Why? So we would have life. Because for, for some reason, he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So we could have a relationship with him. And so maybe you are feeling some loss, grief, shame, guilt this morning. Just allow Jesus to meet you there. I just want to say, what do you, what do you need from Jesus this morning? You know, Jesus says that it's okay for us to come and ask. I used to be really hesitant to ask. Not so hesitant anymore. Because he invites us to come. And not just to like crawl in, but to boldly come to his throne of mercy. And to receive the grace that he has for us if we ask. So some, for some of us, that means we need to stop. We need to focus. We need to be still. We need to tell him and be honest with what's going on around us and in us. And then it's really, really important that we listen and that we wait. I want to give you the opportunity this morning, just for a minute or so. Maybe you're locked up this morning and you just need to invite Jesus to come. Maybe you're dealing with some shame and guilt this morning. You just need to uh, say, be honest with him and let him know. Maybe some of us need to stop and focus and tell them what's going on and then we need to listen and then we need to wait. And this is the opportunity for us to stop just for a moment and, and listen and to hear. And then I'm just going to throw one more in there and then to obey. If he's asking us to do something, then just step out and obey.
Lord, your word says to be still and to know that you are God. So we take this moment right now to, to be still. Lord, I thank you that your message, the message from heaven to the shepherds, and then the message from Jesus after he rose from the dead, the first word spoken to his disciples is peace. Well, I just pray for anyone in this room, anyone who's watching from home, who are lacking peace right now. Jesus, that you would bring your peace as we reach out to you. We're not asking for you to just give us something and to walk away, but what's going to bring us peace is your presence in our lives. And so we're asking for a new closeness with you. A fresh walk with you. To see you differently now. And Lord, I pray for those who are longing for that. God, that you would meet them exactly where they are. Whether they're out looking for you or whether they're locked up inside. That you would miraculously miraculously meet them. Law of physics has nothing on you because you are the maker of physics. <laughs> so Jesus, thank you. God, I thank you that you're not interested in religion. For those who are fasting, God, you're not interested in even sacrifice, but what you say in your word is you're looking for hearts that are contrite, that are humble, even hearts that are broken. You do not despise those. In fact, you welcome those. So draw us near, Jesus. Church, if that's you and you just want to be near to him, I just encourage you, press in today. Spend time with him. Press in tomorrow. Don't just jump back into your Monday routine, but invite him to your Monday routine. Invite him to give you a new routine, church. One that includes him in everything that you do. So Lord, I pray for my friends here for this week. God, as we walk together and also walk with you, God, that we'd be hearing your voice. That your presence would be so close. But heal those places in us that are broken. Physically, emotionally, Jesus. Spiritually, God, for those who don't know you yet, God, would you bring them to yourself? Bring them, draw them. Hmm. We're thankful for the opportunity to gather and to meet. Thank you that your promise is that when we do gather, that you're here with us. So we thank you for being here with us today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Blessings to you. Have a great week. All right?